In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's nothing like a good southern church in the middle of summer without the air conditioning to give you a, a good fire and brimstone sermon and make you sweat a little bit. Um, but that's exactly not what I'm going to do. In fact, uh, that's kind of what gives me alarm in the world. And, and I've been thinking a lot about the Bible and the way that the Bible has been used and interpreted for some time, specifically the last few hundred years. And I, and I wonder if we just sometimes make it more difficult than it really needs to be. If we, can't, if we can't write quite get the whole picture, if we're just missing something. And the image that comes to mind is this 1986 classic by Jim Henson, The Labyrinth. I don't know if any of y'all have seen that movie. Um, I know some of y'all are probably shocked uh, that I was watching movies in 1985. Uh, but in the movie, there is... And the plot is, is insignificant in our context, but this, this woman asks that this goblin king come and take away her baby brother, and she then regrets it. And she has to go through this labyrinth, and not a labyrinth that has one path like we think of um, in Christian worship, but a maze, this gigantic maze. And so in the beginning of the movie, you see this scene as you're looking down on this maze that has a wall that's probably eight feet tall. And so the movie's about her going into this maze and, and she's struggling to figure out how to get to the center of the town. It's almost as if she was just six feet taller. She could see everything and she'd know exactly where to go. And at the very beginning, she goes left and the character goes, oh, if she wanted to get to the center, to the city, if she had just gone right, she'd be there right away. And that image sticks in my mind with how we hear Scripture sometimes. If we get so focused on all the details that we miss how easy it is to do what God has called us to do, to love God with all our heart and mind and soul, and to love our neighbor as ourself. I've got three passages of scripture that I've been thinking about. The first, um, the first is the story of Genesis, and there was a, there's a biblical scholar that teaches it at UNC named Bart Ehrman, and he made a lot of money by selling this book called The Hidden Contradictions in Scripture. And I don't think they're contradictions. I think they're there intentionally. For example, the first story of, of creation is God is putting order in, 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 in this kind of way that we're supposed to see the world. There's order and structure to that. It makes sense. If we have structure, we can live. And then in the next story, he creates a different order. Humankind and the plants are actually created in a different order. It's almost as if to say, wait a second, you've missed the point. You have to have a relationship with each other and God for you to really live in harmony. So what we see, if we look at those stories, is we see progress. We see saying, look, yes, this is the way it is, but it's not the only way it is. It's not, you're missing something. 
The next image is the gospel from last week, and it might have been that I was on vacation and didn't get a chance to preach with you all that I, I, I really wanted to on this text. Um, the gospel for last week, if you all were in church, was John chapter 3, verse 1 through 17, and I say that because the one scripture that everybody seems to know is captured in that, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that you may have eternal life. And how often that has been interpreted in this hard way that keeps people out of a relationship with God. And in verse 17, for I did not send my son to condemn the world, but so that the whole world might be saved. There's a movement in those two passages of scripture. There's a movement almost, or at least the way that I'm reading it, from judgment to inclusion. It's almost as if God is saying, no, you're missing something. It is to save you. I am trying to give you life. And then we get to our scripture today. And if you think about all of the rules, they, they exist there for good reasons. The Sabbath was there so that people might rest. The Sabbath was there because the culture of Pharaoh was always work, work, work. And if you don't work, you can't renew yourself. So we have laws for good reasons. And yet God, Jesus says to his disciples, and he says to the Pharisees, yes, but the laws, if they do not save and help and bring life to my people, then they've missed their mark. I say all this. I love, um, I love scripture. It is the story of our faith that we've, our people have been wrestling with for 3,000 years. It is holy, it is sacred, it is God-inspired. And, and if you haven't gone yet to one of our Bible studies, there's some of the most life-giving ministries that we have in this church. But scripture is always, my interpretation, is always moving people forward. And if it is not breathing life and love and charity and hope for a people, then it is missing what God has intended to be. At every turn where we encounter scripture where there are laws, it is taking people and it's moving them forward. It doesn't mean that God has stopped there. It means at that time that God is teaching people to be more loving, more compassionate, and more sacred. I say all that in context of this scripture because I think it gives us a freedom to break some of the rules sometimes. And I don't know what those rules are for y'all or those things that become hang-ups, but I do know that if it's not cultivating love from God, that it's maybe missing the mark. And for us to be encouraged and challenged in our scripture today, to be rule breakers so that we can share the love of God with a world that is hungry and desperate to know that love, to feel that love and to experience that love. So let's go and break some rules in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.